Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Hello, uh, welcome back to the show. Today, I have my very favorite guest I could ever possibly have on the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. Peyton Busker, doctor of physical therapy, head of content at Evlo Fitness, my lifelong bestie. Welcome, Peyton. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm just so happy to be here. It's the best day. It is the best day. We've already been talking for like, at least 30 minutes just catching uh-huh. up prior to actually starting to record. So we're in the groove. We're ready to go. <laughs> yes, we're all running on all cylinders now. They don't have to hear our catch up. <laughs> so the topic today that we're going to go over, um, we're going to be talking about postpartum recovery, specifically through the lenses of movement and nutrition, since Peyton is a PT. I'm a RD. That's kind of the angle that we're approaching it from. And Evlo has just released a new postpartum recovery program. And it's absolutely amazing. I was actually able to work through it in real time during my recovery. I got the go ahead and it was absolutely amazing to be able to work through those phases and I feel like the hallmark of Evlo is knowing why (laughs) you're doing what you're doing and having that gentle consistency, TM, (laughs) with, you know, any type of movement that you're approaching, which completely goes hand in hand with what I talk about um, as far as nutrition as well, with establishing those baseline habits and focusing on the super important things that are actually going to move the needle in the direction that you want to see it go in. So when it comes to postpartum recovery, Pate, what do you think are some of the biggest considerations for women who have just given birth and are trying to (laughs) recover in a way that doesn't put you doing too much too soon, but also doesn't leave you just kind of doing nothing for, you know, that six week period of time before you go back in and get approved if everything's going right, you know, for normal exercise and movement. Yes. All great thoughts and questions. First, I definitely want to differentiate between true physical therapy, like pelvic floor physical therapy and seeing a physical therapist. That's not our goal with this program. It's not meant to necessarily be a recovery program or it's definitely not a rehab program. It's just meant to support you in getting back to regular exercise, um, especially really specifically getting you back to Evlo, regular programming, in a really safe and graded way. Uh, So we like to just make that really clear because it can get confusing since we are physical therapists. We don't want people to think like, oh, I'm doing pelvic floor rehab. Definitely not. There are definitely times where pelvic floor PT is highly, highly recommended. And we try and do a good job too in the program 
of talking about instances and times where that might be necessary. And especially when we have a postpartum conversation with a pelvic floor physical therapist that you can find at the beginning of of the program that really helps to kind of differentiate and explain when you might need that. So just giving that little caveat first. Kind of like the difference between like giving general nutrition advice versus nutrition therapy, right? There's like someone on social media cannot speak to your specific disease state or give you specific advice on diabetes, hypertension, anything that's where you want to actually go see your RD. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So yeah, same, same type of differentiation there. Perfect. Yes. No, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you said that it's, yeah, it's so important to know that all of these things can work in tandem together and work so well together, but just making sure that everyone's clear with kind of what these different things are and your different options are. So in thinking specifically about like going back to considerations when you're freshly postpartum, I think the number one consideration is especially for the first zero to two weeks with a like completely untraumatic vaginal birth at that would be like the minimum that you would really want to be just resting. That Mm -hmm. is what we recommend. That's kind of the generalized recommendation in general from all the bigger organizations and things like ACOG and the powers that be. And it's a very good recommendation because you've just had, you have a legitimate injury. You can think of it as an injury. Your body has either gone through, you've gone through some type of delivery and it, those deliveries range on such a spectrum and you need to allow your body to heal. And when we try and do too much too quickly, we can set ourselves up to exacerbate and to delay your healing, really to exacerbate the issue and to delay your healing. So zero to two weeks rest. And I think you could probably talk a little bit more specifically. I have not had a child myself, but that's, I'd love to hear from your perspective on what those first few weeks felt like for you. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, getting home, we stayed the minimum amount of time in the hospital. We had like a very routine, yeah, normal vaginal birth. MK was not, you know, showing any signs of like jaundice or anything that would be concerning. And so they require the infant to be monitored for 24 hours minimum. So once we hit that 24 hour mark, we were heading home. (laughs) I could not imagine actually being able to really concentrate on any type of intentional physical (laughs) movement in those first two weeks. You are, at least I was so sensitive And I mean, just getting up and down, walking around. I mean, that was, it was a physical feat to be able to do those things. I mean, it was really kind of intimidating because I have never recovered from anything like this. I've never had a surgery, like really injured. So uh, this is my first time going through any type of kind of long-term recovery. But yeah, you, you've just passed an organ that you took nine months growing, um, in the baby. (laughs) Yep. All of your other organs are trying to get back in place. You'll probably speak to this, but yeah, like your ab muscles and your core is just, I mean, it, I felt like Gumby, like it didn't, (laughs) it was wild, wild. And I've always had a very strong, like core, and have muscles. And so it was 
very interesting to, yeah, kind of just feel very wobbly. But what I did, and I don't, I've, I saw this several different places, the like 555 recommendation where it kind of walks you through how intense you need to be about your own recovery. And so the general recommendation is like five days in bed post-birth. And I was lucky to have um, my parents come up and stay. And my mom was a super big help with like cooking and like cleaning and and things like that. And my husband was able to be home that whole time. So he could literally like bring the baby to me. Everyone come to me. Yes. And I really did try to stay literally in bed for the most part, those five days. You have to get up and do some normal things, get up and like go to the table to eat or something like that. But so five days in bed and then five days on the bed, which is just slightly progressing from the point of being in bed. Uh, But out of the covers. Yeah, out of the covers, but still extremely restful. Limit movement as much as you can. And then five days around, I'm putting that in quotes, five days around the bed where it's just a slight progression from that point where you may be doing a little bit more, but not much. Like if you can, you know, you're still being as dependent as possible on the support that you have to be able to kind of do the heavy lifting around the house and, you know, with any other caretaking that needs to be done for you to continue to rest as much as possible. So that, I mean, that right there is 15, that's two weeks. Yep. I was about to say, I think that makes it, that's perfect. And it gives you kind of those little guidelines. It also gives you your little mini points within where you're like, oh, I can go a little bit further around or go, you know, but I think that's a a really great baseline to follow. And of course, if someone's had a more difficult delivery or a C-section, that's going to be even more extended. And hopefully your medical provider um, tells you that in the hospital of those considerations, that's when you definitely will want to listen to what, what always listen to what they have to say, but especially in those times where you've had a more traumatic delivery um, or more involved delivery, especially with a C-section, it's cutting you know through the abdominal muscles. So you're, you're going to have more time in that kind of more waiting period and true tissue healing period before you'll want to start anything at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, within that two-week period of time, mm-hmm. is there anything, I mean, I remember I literally was just concentrating on breathing and it's so funny they kind of so I talked about this in the episode that I did about Mary Kate's birth but when they're trying to get you to be able to use the bathroom again after birth this is so funny because I immediately thought (laughs) of you guys which is like I need to think of my purse slip breathing just gently yes when I was in the bathroom and I was struggling she literally gave me a straw to breathe yes Oh my gosh, what a great, that's so great. I love that. And I immediately was like, oh, she's trying to get me to do like my abdominal, like purse lip breathing. So uh, literally just things like that were enough of a challenge (laughs) during the first two weeks of just like being able to take a deep breath and breathe out through my purse lips and like feel literally just start feeling what my core even felt like again, because again, it, it pretty much felt non-existent. <laughs> yep. And that's normal. And that's okay. That's, I think you did the perfect thing. I think just 
focusing on gentle breathing, not trying to get any sort of forceful contraction in the first few weeks, just easy breathing, one that will help with your just relaxation overall in a very like changing and tumultuous time. And then we also have a a meditation in the program that can be done throughout. It's just one, but it's very short. So if you're like craving to do something, putting on that meditation or any other meditation, something where you're not moving, not doing uh, anything strenuous at all, but just being there and concentrating on trying to go inward and really give yourself moments of relaxation when you can. I know those are few and far between, but that would be my only recommendation for the first couple of weeks. I mean, it literally, it was like a baby deer learning to walk again. Yeah. Felt like I had a new body. Um, yeah. And literally anything that I, you know, I remember just like doing wrist circles and like just literally feel in ankle circles just to feel how my body felt because yeah. it's just, it's so interesting to, yeah, be in that intense recovery period. Absolutely. That's- goes what mm-hmm. I was really really focused on during this time is protein absolutely essential for injury recovery absolutely especially because you're not sleeping <laughs> and good sleeping is so important for it so it's like you got to bolster up that protein yes right. protein and yeah sleeping whenever possible I mean it doesn't matter when it is I think I saw again one of those general recommendations where of course you're not going to be able to sleep you know, an eight hour chunk of time, but it was saying just an eight hour, eight hours of sleep within 24 hours. I like that again, achievable. I like these little achievable goals that are like, okay, I could probably, I might be able to add up to that. I I can add up to that within this 24 hour period and just kind of aiming for that. And I mean, it's not hard (laughs) to take a little cat nap when you're that exhausted yeah your your body is in full recovery mode so it's gonna want to sleep when it can and having the baby home with you is just like I couldn't sleep unless I knew someone had eyeballs on the baby yeah in those like first two weeks because she's so new and and you're a new mom and you don't know what to expect yeah if I didn't know for certain someone was actively like watching her, then I couldn't relax enough to go to sleep. So again, I mean, having the support around you, I think is super important if that is something that's doable. And honestly, this experience, I have just been thinking of the single moms that I know who have been single, you know, doing solo parenting from birth. Yeah. And I... I mean, I truly, <laughs> it's hard to comprehend how you can make that work. And that it's just amazing. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. Cause there's so, there's so many elements that go into it. Like just when you were describing earlier, of just having the help to, for the cooking and cleaning alone, like that's my mom went with my sisters too, for the first two or three weeks, I think it was two, but I'm like, sign, sign me up. Cause I know, like, I know the importance of this. Right. But there are some people that don't have that option. And so that my like heart definitely goes out to them because sometimes just if you can't, if you don't have the sport, then you have to get up and, and feed yourself. But just trying to do 
as little as you can in the situation that you're in is going to be what you can only do what you can do. Right. So. Exactly. Well, and then, and, and moms with other, like if you have a oh, I know. <laughs> yes. Well, that was my mom's main job with Callie's, with my sister's second birth. It was taking care of Ellis was hanging out. And luckily she also has a husband who was super helpful um, with Ellis as well, her oldest. And so, but yeah, that's, it's a whole nother ballgame. Yeah. Well, it's really funny how this, these things go. And it, I mean, obviously like you don't have the experience of having multiple children before you have your first one. And so I think that first time, like I remember being at the very end of my pregnancy with MK and thinking to myself, I don't know if I could ever do this again because I was miserable. And the second that you meet your baby, it's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking, how could people do this with other kids? Like, how do you, how do you survive? And then it's like every experience just expands your capacity to be able to do that. And now that I have the experience, it's like, okay, this super miserable time will pass and it will be worth it on the other side. But yeah, I don't know that until until you know it. <laughs> you got to kind of experience it for yourself, for sure. Yeah, but okay. And so, but going back to more nutrition considerations at this time. Yeah. So yeah, protein, definitely. And then overall, just adequate calories, right? We do not want to be in an energy deficit when we're trying to recover. <laughs> yes, that's a great point. I'm glad you said that. Yes. So we just want to be looking for balanced and regular intake throughout the day. Starting my day with like a big breakfast with like eggs and some sort of vegetable. I remember craving oatmeal with berries. And so we'd cook it with the Fairlife skim milk and just give it some protein as well. And that was really good. So just focus on protein at every meal, eating balanced meals regularly, And then also specific nutrients, vitamin C and zinc also help with healing. And so if you're eating plenty of fruits and vegetables, you're going to be getting that vitamin C. Strawberries, broccoli, different things like that have vitamin C. And then zinc, I was also craving and I am continuing to just crave red meat, almost steak or ground beef every meal. That is a food that's very high in zinc. Also seafood and just other meats, poultry. If you don't eat meat, things like fortified grains. So those are two important nutrients when we look at injury recovery as well. But again, if you're eating a balanced diet that includes plenty of protein and produce, then you're going to be checking all those boxes. Yes. I've really enjoyed seeing your different hauls over these last few months and seeing like what you're gravitating towards and like why you might be gravitating towards it because because of these different like deficiencies that you might be experiencing and or just the extra nutrients that you're needing for this time period. So it's been really, it's been really cool to see and like gives me lots of thoughts for my hopeful future one day. Awesome. Well, I'm glad they're helpful and listening to your body at that time is super important. I think can be helpful for getting the nutrition that you need. You know, a lot of times if maybe you lost more blood during birth, which everyone loses some, right, then we might need some more iron, which is a great source of that as well. So, yeah, it all kind of 
makes sense when you can listen to what your body is asking for. But also know, even if your body is not asking for anything, you need food. (laughs) So even if you're not feeling super hungry, we need to prioritize balanced meals throughout the day. And if you're like just too tired or feeling too bad where, you know, nothing sounds good, smoothies, soups, those are great options for like very easily digestible, sippable, nutrient-dense options that you can get in because just because your body's not saying that you're hungry doesn't mean you don't still need fuel. So, okay, moving past this immediate recovery period where it's like those first two weeks. And honestly, by the end of the two weeks, like when I first got home from the hospital, I was like, (laughs) I'm thinking of that meme, the Tiger King meme, where he's like, I will never financially recover from this. Oh, yes, yes. I will never recover from this. Like, how could I ever recover from this? That's how I felt. And then by that two week mark, I mean, I was feeling night and day different in my capability and being able to like move around. I had almost stopped bleeding completely by that point. Yeah, that's great. And so I was getting ready to start concentrating a little more purposefully on, okay, what can I be doing at this point to set myself up for success? Yeah, lay the foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this period, we want to make sure that you've gotten this specific program cleared by your doc for sure. You and I were talking about even having the app, you know, in the hospital room. Not that this needs to be your number one priority, but if you have it there, you've got the time and you want to show your doctor, Hey, this is the program that I want to do because the, the first few phases technically can start prior to your six-week appointment, but you still want to have your doctor's clearance. So having that clearance, just making sure they know what's going on is really important. Um, But the first phase is one class and it's called movement. And it is just really focused on breathing and getting in a small amount of mobility, but within it, giving you lots of education on like what to avoid, what we don't want to go beyond, not looking for any any major stretching. Um, and also in this phase, this is when you can, if you've been cleared and you're feeling good, you can start some easy walks and like really, really short walks <laughs> to start and constantly monitoring and checking in with your symptoms. Your doctor will probably give you some things to look out for as well, but looking for increase in bleeding. Like you mentioned, bleeding. If you've had that increase in bleeding, you've probably done a little bit too much. So dial back or even contact your provider. Um, Looking for excessive shortness of breath, um, looking for excessive pain, uh, pelvic pain, things like that. You want to avoid all of that as much as you can and making sure that you're not doing too much. This phase is truly laying the groundwork and just being the very little beginning entry back into your normal routine. But this is a really important part just to start getting you back into a routine and getting you back into stepping onto your mat or wherever you like to go and giving yourself time for yourself to start tapping back into you. Because this is a time period where you're obviously responsible for another human being, but you have to be able to fill your cup in some small way in order for you to be able to show up as your best self, in my opinion. But would love to hear your experience with all of this too. No, I completely agree. Could not agree more with that. And by that time, um, I know personally, I was really looking forward to that time. And I mean, how long has that been? Like 
20. Yeah. I think it's like 10 in the tens. It's real, it's real short, but it felt so good to literally just get back into that routine and, and have someone like just coach you through the gentle movement. I remember doing, um, the little bit of mobility. I think you're laying on your back and you just have us like reach uh-huh. our- the kind of the snow angels. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It felt so good because I literally hadn't moved like that. And you know, probably over two weeks and you explained, you know, like you're mostly very hunched over yes. when you like breastfeeding or feeding your baby and picking up your baby and putting down your baby. And so being able to like, just feel that little bit of extension in like my shoulders, yes. and, like it's such a small thing, but it felt amazing. And again, it just felt really, really good to take those few minutes to put my earbuds in and literally just get into my own body and look at, okay, how am I feeling? How am I moving differently? What different sensations am I feeling? Like how, how has my body changed? Because it's inevitably changed and it'll never be the same. (laughs) And continuing to move forward from that point. Yeah. It felt amazing. Yeah. Were there any, at this point, did you change anything with your nutrition or were you still in more of recovery mode? Mm-hmm. Nope. I continued to be in basically complete just recovery mode and listening to my normal hunger cues and still being very structured with my PEC plates and two max snacks, always focusing on protein and produce truly as the two kind of cornerstones of my diet, but I really, I was committed to not starting to like track or do anything like that until I hit that six week mark because I really wanted to give myself time to only listen to my hunger cues and make sure that I was fueling my body adequately to heal throughout that period of time. I mean, I was very antsy at the end. I was like, get the ball rolling, but I really, really wanted to wait it out for those six weeks again to just make sure that I was feeling my body adequately because you're expending a lot of energy, even though you're not and it shouldn't be moving very much. Your body is repairing tissue and creating breast milk if you're breastfeeding and not to mention just, you know, your other normal BMR needs. Yeah, yeah. So you're expending a lot of energy as it is and not fueling your body adequately is just going to impend those functions from being executed as well as they could be. And yeah, we don't want it to be this situation where you feel like you're taking a step forward, but it's actually two steps back because you're not giving yourself enough time to recover and lay a good foundation to then be able to truly move forward from that point. Yep. It really parallels and mirrors the movement aspect of it so well. Um, mm-hmm. because I, it, people have all different experiences. There might be some people that they're like, when I got to six weeks, I wasn't even, I didn't even feel nearly close to starting phase one. And that's okay too. Everyone has their own timeline, but you might be someone like hope had, we've, you, you can talk about it a little bit more too, but where you were feeling more ready to go, but your body is still in such a healing phase that it is so important to take it slow. And that's why our phases are so graded because you don't want to be doing anything beyond what your tissues can handle. 
And you want to make sure, especially in a group fitness setting, that you're going about it in a safe way and giving yourself the opportunity to assess and see, hey, do I need individualized care? Do I need to go in and see a pelvic floor physical therapist? Because these can work so well in tandem. So I think it's not blowing past the signs that your body is giving you and giving yourself that six-week minimum time period to really tap in and tune in and sense how your body is moving again. Because that's really the goal of phase one is that real small class. And then phase two has three different classes, but they're still mainly centered in breathing and in mobility and movement and just tapping back in in a little bit more advanced way than phase one. But it's still not getting into any sort of lifting or anything like that. You want to give your body that time, but you also want to give your body that ability to check in and assess so that you can really know, okay, where do I need to go from here? Exactly. And uh, yeah, I think you were kind of on the tipping point of bringing up what I think is a very important point, which is your recovery. A lot of it is going to be dictated by what you were doing before pregnancy and during pregnancy. Big time. So obviously everybody's going to be individual and have their own unique recovery process, but being able and like, even if you weren't strength training before pregnancy, strength training during pregnancy, if you're like approved and checked out for that can go such a long way in setting yourself up for a successful recovery. And I mean, even with having done all, I've been regularly exercising and strength training for 10 years now, which is like mm-hmm. insane to think about over 10 years, I guess if I'm, wait, no, no, probably. I mean, you really started in high school though. You were even regimented with training in high school. Yes. Well, that's true. We did. I did lift weights in high school. So the majority of my life, I've been really exercising and strength training that (laughs) those first two weeks were still extremely intense for the recovery process. Even through the end of my pregnancy, I was just thinking like, what if I like wasn't in what I consider to be like pretty good shape. What right. if wasn't didn't have the strength to do this? Like I truly I don't know how I could have created like a better experience for myself and it was still extremely difficult. <laughs> yeah, so it's important when we're talking about all these things and timelines. Timelines really are arbitrary and that's why too within the program with each phase. We have a PDF at the beginning of each phase to give you a little bit more guidance. And there's a very wide range of when you might begin that phase. Uh, you know, like the first one I think is two to six weeks between two and six weeks or two and eight weeks or something like that. And it's because everyone's experience is different based on what they've done before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and then what type of delivery you have that oftentimes you don't have control over. So there's just so many elements. So trying not to compare yourself to another person. I know Amelia and I talked about this a little bit in our conversation within the program as well, but not trying to compare yourself to someone else's experience or to even your own experiences and subsequent birth. But really our goal, and I think your goal always is to giving people the tools to check in with themselves to then be able to know what they need. Because that's the is it's going to be different for every person and it's going to be different for every pregnancy. Yes. Well, and I think that that is like step one. That's like a prerequisite to even thinking about any of these things is like being able to 
check in with your body and being able to listen to that and see those signs of like when something's off, when something's not right, or what it feels like when you do feel good. And being able to like really assess those things is essential to to being honest with when you're ready to progress and when you're not. And it's never a competition or yeah, something that needs to be compared because you can truly never know the full picture of what someone is going through. And even, and I know I get really caught up in this when I see like fitness influencers, you know, they're like literally back to their pre baby size, like 10 days after birth and like you see their abs again and it's like what the hell like what is going on here because I my body looks like a foreign object you know yeah and it's it's really difficult to think like should could I have done something different should I have done better to like recover faster and all these things and I've just been having to concentrate a lot on giving my body that trust that like it did what it needed to do. And it produced the exact outcome that I was hoping for, which is I'm healthy and MK's healthy and we're both here and <laughs> yep. now we're recovering together. So I think that's a really important thing to call out because I think in our culture and our society, we, you see a few different examples of all highlight reels of people on social media. and so. I think it's been really big what you've been doing and trying to provide a more realistic kind of timeline or a process that someone could look at. And theirs might be different than yours, might be quicker, might be slower, but giving someone the tools to see like, this is what it could look like to be sustainable postpartum, I think is really important. And that's not what get you know, that's not clickbaity. That's not what gets the, gets the views on social media. So, but I think it's really important. Yeah. 14 day bounce back. It's like, yeah, absolutely not. Vomit. Hell no. Like I mean, 14 days, I'm just coming back to the realization that I'm on planet Earth. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like waking up from a the fog of giving birth after 14 days. And something that I was really like bent on refusing to do during pregnancy was like limiting my intake to only gain a certain amount of weight. Yeah. Because that's such a slippery slope into like the micromanagement of your diet and your body and just kind of going into possible like disordered eating territory that it was just something that I, I mean, I just was going to flat out refuse to do and know that like, I can trust my body. It's I'm going to gain weight. You're supposed to gain weight, but also like I gained fat and your body needs more fat when you give birth and know that it's safe to produce breast milk and to support a baby. And if you're too lean, your body (laughs) doesn't know that it's safe to do that. It would just only be focusing on your needs, not being apply for someone else. And so I know that. And it doesn't make it any easier to deal with when I want my body to look a certain way and I'm used to looking a certain way. But it's doing its job. And I know that I'm doing what I need to do and being able to trust it 
and trusting it through that process and know that. And y'all say this all the time. You have your entire life to work out. I have my life (laughs) to recover and improve my body composition in different seasons of life. And it does no good to rush these things when it's just going to come back and like shoot you in the foot. So, yeah, I was about to say, I think it's just, I understand and I can't, again, as someone who's not had a baby, I can't say I fully understand, but I can imagine the feeling of wanting to get back to where you were. But I think it is a really short-sighted viewpoint and stance to take because instead, if you think about how can I do this sustainably, then you're just setting yourself up for success for the long run. And it's just sustainable. It's You're looking at longevity as opposed to getting it done in a finite amount of time that you've set up for yourself. I think that comes and backfires on you. So instead, both in nutrition and with exercise, slowly easing back into it and then at appropriate points, changing the way that you're doing it. So like with in thinking back about the program going into you know, phase three and beyond adding in more lifting when that's, you know, that's typically past the six week mark or at six weeks and beyond, but going really like the lifting for lower body is body weight and the first lifting class for lower body, because that's a lot. And that is plenty. Let me tell you. Yes. And it's so funny. I don't know like what the, but I remember my upper body feeling super, super strong, but my lower body doing the body weight movements was like absolutely kicking my ass. Like literally kicking your ass, your glutes. (laughs) (laughs) Difficult, very difficult, but again, not in a way that I felt was sort of like actual pain. I feel like if you're working out adequately there's always going to be some amount of discomfort right if you're targeting your muscles and you're working muscle yeah getting trying to work towards muscle failure is is not like a necessarily a comfortable experience but it shouldn't feel like a painful thing in your joints or in other parts of your body it's more of i am sensing the muscle that i am accurately trying to target yes and it's a challenge to continue doing this pain or in any way and again, that takes like a practice and experience to know the difference between those things too. Because yeah. a lot of times, I mean, and y'all talk about this too, but like literally the saying no pain, no gain, like that's not it. It's so pervasive too. Like that's people just think, oh, that's part of it. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, actually hurt. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> not, not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> actually counterproductive. So please, please don't do that. But yeah, I think it's just allowing yourself that time to not think of, because I think how it's been in the past, maybe is people have waited and not done anything at all. And then they get this clearance from at, at six weeks from their doctor and they're like, okay, get back to exercise. And I'm sure that a lot of people jump right back into whatever they were doing before. And just at like your core, so all the different levels of your core, your pelvic floor, your diaphragm, the transverse abdominus on the front side, multifidi on the back side, all of that. Like if you've not taken the time, even if you just started at six weeks, if you're not starting at a phase that is like really low level and basic, and you're trying to go into these full-blown movements and different lifts that you've done in the past, you don't have that support and stability to counter that. 
you, it's really, really important to grade it again, even if you absolutely wait and start at six weeks, if your doctor doesn't give you clearance till six weeks, no problem. I still wouldn't, I would start at phase zero and, and start there and then, and then go up as you can or phase one. What I picture in my mind, and I have no idea if this is accurate, but this is how it's like making sense to me. It's like literally like knitting your core back together, like from the back to the front. And I like, I don't know if that's at atomically. <laughs> well, no, no, you're, I mean, you're intuitively there. So with pregnancy, you have to have a separation of your rectus abdominis, that the six pack muscles that sit on top, you've got your linea alba down the middle. That's like fibrous structure that connects the two sides and it has to separate in order for you to grow a child. That's just essentially too, like around your, your belly. Your yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what you hear like when you hear people say diastasis recti, like it's not a bad word. That is so like, you have to have that separation in order for your belly to grow outward. So whenever you give birth and then you've still got that separation, it takes a lot of time for everything to come back in and for that linea alba to become stronger again. And there's just certain things that come into play in terms of the deeper core activation that help to bring that, that tissue back together. So you're, you're pretty spot on there with your, with like how it felt for you or, or seemed to you visually. But, and that's the case too of with appropriate exercise and over time, things should come back together. But if you are, having, if someone is really struggling or having pain or anything like that, then that's the time absolutely get right in with a pelvic floor PT. That is one of their main specialties is coordinating all the different aspects of the core. Cause people just think, Oh, they're just pelvic floor. No, it's be, it's so much more beyond that. It's the full core. And then the rest of the body too, cause it all impacts your pelvic floor. But whenever you've got that separation and then you've had potentially a vaginal birth and with C-sections, actually, you can have implications to your pelvic floor too, even if you've not gone through the pushing process. But when thinking of someone that's had a vaginal birth, so they've got obviously a lot of healing in their pelvic floor itself, it's had to stretch way out. And then you've got your abdominal separation as well. You've got these vulnerable places where pressure wants to go out. Um, so that's why it's really important one to rest in the beginning. And then two, once you've gotten that clearance, starting really small with getting back to that contraction. Cause if you try to like to, to go too quickly or to load it in different positions, not on your back or on your side too quickly, then your pressure is going to go outward and create that coning or doming that you probably, that people maybe have heard about, but there's a lot of confusion around it. So it can create that pressure outward or downward into your pelvic floor lead potentially leading to things like prolapse and pelvic floor heaviness. So that's why it's so important to really start from the ground up. The ground up is like literally, literally the ground. Really yeah. Like yes. And yep. on the ground. so what would happen if, okay, you are, you rest, you don't do any type of like concentrated intentional movement yeah. until you go to your doctor at six weeks. And this was my six week appointment and I love my doctor and I thought she was great. But I mean, I went in and she, you know, stuck her fingers up there to like make sure my uterus had returned to its proper place. And then, I mean, literally the words out of her mouth after that were, okay, you're cleared to return to all exercise. That was it. And she knew me a little bit. So she knew that I, you know, was still like moving and working out through my pregnancy Yes. So, you know, I don't know if that would have 
if her advice yeah, yeah. yeah a little more like tailored to her patient i'm i'm sure and i would hope it is but that's what she said to me no instruction on you know being careful with doing any type of core movements or jumping or running or things like that so what would happen if someone gets the go ahead and we just return to doing whatever we're doing and we're doing you know extended crunches planks jogging burpees what happens it's very possible that there will be significant vulnerability still at it within the core whether that's at the pelvic floor at the abdominal separation and then probably a lot of weakness at the hips as well which supports all of these structures so if you're going back in let's take like crunches for example if you go from doing absolutely nothing and then go right into a crunch you're most likely going to naturally experience that coning or doming that pressure that pressure outward through that longitudinal line down your abdomen because you're in the middle of your, so that's the middle of your stomach and it's going to like pooch out into like a, and not just like a pooch in your stomach. It's like the, the whole line, like from your sternum to your pelvis or to your bone, like is a, it's interesting because it can actually, it can come up in only certain spots, like with the diastasis, with that separation, you can have it more at the top, more at the bottom, more in the middle, which is interesting, but just along that, yeah, like palpating or touching from just below your sternum or your chest bone, and then going down that line through your belly button and down toward your pubic bone. Like that's the area that we're talking about where you might notice that outward pressure. Or if you're not experiencing that outward pressure, you might experience leakage or like pain or or pressure or heaviness downward when you're because with a crunch, you're having to get both that deep abdominal contraction and your contraction contracting more of the superficial layers with the rectus abdominis, your six pack. So if you're not, if you've not started from the base of setting the groundwork for that deep core contraction, then you're not going to get that. And then you're not going to be supported when you go up into that. So that, and then over time that can cause, like, it's, it's okay if it happens a few times, like if you feel that coning or doming, like it's natural for different things to, for it to occur when you're going, you know, through this process, but you don't want to keep doing it over and over again and exacerbating and just uh, like creating that pressure over and over again, because that can delay the healing of it. That can cause umbilical hernias, like an outward pooching just above your belly button, things like that. So you really want to like avoid it and, and try and, and create that more base of support. And then thinking more about too, then going into, and then same thing with planking type of thing. Like you won't have that pressure system established in order to handle the type of pressure that you need with a plank. And then in thinking about like going into like jogging or jumping or things like that, if you've not you know, slowly over time done what's called progressive overload for your pelvic floor and for your core through breath work in different positions and adding on different challenges. Then if you go straight into jumping, you're most likely going to have a lot of vulnerability in that pelvic floor and your pressure is just going to go straight down, getting into that leakage. That's why it's, it's so frustrating when you hear people, you know, moms joking about like, Oh, I just pee when I, you know, that's just normal. And for so long, it was just seen as like, that's what has to happen. And it's like, a lot of it is because of this process of not going through a slower process of return to exercise. Of society just telling us, jump back into it. Go, girl. You got it, mama. It's like, no, I don't. 
don't got it. So it's like, that's, that's really, really common. Unfortunately, it's not normal, not what should happen if you are starting from the ground up, but especially if you've gotten past these points and these type of things are happening to you, go see someone, go see someone. They can be life-changing. Like it it can truly change your whole life. So yes, it's a long-winded way to say all of that. No, not at all. I mean, we want the information. So yeah, again, I'm thinking of this meme where there's like a tank of water and it's like flooding and you like slap a piece of duct tape on it. We need to address the actual issue first and not just slap a piece of duct tape on like the hole that's visible. Right. 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 Yeah. Starting back and just doing normal stuff like that. It's like, and maybe even like you'll return and you're Core abs might even look how they did yeah. before. Yeah, but, great point. Great point. Yeah. It might not be indicative, though, of the whole system and how the pressure system is working. So it can be, it can be really tricky. It can be. Yeah. Okay. So even like post-birth, maybe even like years down yeah. the way, what are some signs that maybe your pelvic floor or your deep core is not like fully healed or it needs some like concentrated work? I think kind of the things that I've mentioned in terms of the excessive coning and domi, if you, if there's like no way that you can avoid it with your different activities that you're doing, that's a great sign that you're, you're probably having some issues with that separation still. Um, and with, and a lack of ability to contract and control the deep core functions. And then excessive leaking or really any, any leaking with jumping you want to you that's a sign pain with sex is a big one and can be common, but not normal. You don't want that to happen, but it can happen and can be a sign of like pelvic floor tightness. And so that's another really good one. And just heaviness in general, if you're feeling like heaviness in that area, or especially with activity, those are all great signs that, Hey, let's go in and get some pelvic floor therapy. Let's work with someone one-on-one who can really address what I need. Cause I think people hear pelvic floor and they just think Kegels, which is like very much so not, uh, what we is like recommended or like current in like a lot of the research and things. Multiple people. Yeah. Just talking about like doing core work, returning exercise. And yeah, literally the only thing they say, and it's just people, everyone just is like Kegels better do your. It's just extremely pervasive. And the way that I love the way that Amelia, the pelvic floor PT that we're really close with talks about it because their practice at Genesis is very much so like not into Kegels. Um, And the reasoning is because it's just a much more complex situation than just squeezing and contracting the muscles. The pelvic floor itself is so complex. There's multiple layers of muscles that work really intricately with one another. So, and then a lot of times people are having that tightness and that's just going to make it worse. So that's too why it can be really good and helpful to work one-on-one with someone so they can assess exactly what you need. Like my, I'll use my sister, for example, she would not mind, um, but she had very different experiences with her different pregnancies. Her first pregnancy, Evlo didn't exist yet. And she was the typical, like just at six weeks, went back into what she was doing before and was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And then 
uh, with her second pregnancy, she did Evlo the entire time and then slowly eased back into it with our, with our former postpartum program. So now I'm even more excited for if she has another one, it should be even better, but she, but even still, even with going through slower and feeling more competent and feeling better overall, she still went and saw a pelvic floor physical therapist and they were able to help tweak very specific things. She was having specific tightness on literally one side of her pelvic floor that she wouldn't have known or that's not something that can be communicated in or is not appropriate even to be communicated in a group exercise setting. So really making sure that you're checking out, listening to your body, you know, what's normal. And there are things that are new normals for you, but if you're having those, those signs and symptoms, like don't hesitate. And there's so many um, on people who treat online as well. I know Genesis specifically does they're based out of the DFW area, but they are online and they're just wonderful. So they can be a really valuable resource. Oh, awesome. Okay. What is their Instagram handle? I think it's at Genesis PT and wellness, something like that, but I can, I can give it to you specifically. Uh, it maybe you put it in the show notes or something. They're wonderful. They have PTs and OTs and they all have, you know, they all have different niches and specialties, but I know they can see people all over the US or they could at least be valuable resources and, and following along with and then finding someone in your area if you want one-on-one, uh, like physical work, if you need internal work or anything like that. Awesome. Well, and it's, yeah, it really is just a whole different experience and it could be if you are pregnant currently and like have not given birth yet and don't know like what heaviness right. <laughs> would like i mean and just preemptively to look out for it. and i know like when i was walking when i would walk too much that's immediately when i would start feeling it like yes. i would most when i would like try to get up from being seated and yeah. it literally feels like you're I mean, it was people right- describe it as like a feeling like a, a heavy tampon is like falling out. Gravity is just like pulling that area more intensely. And yeah. I mean, it actually comes out or didn't for me, but it just, yeah. you can just feel heavy. So I had no idea what anyone was talking about, you yeah. know, hearing that beforehand, but having experienced it, that's just kind of my take on how it felt for me. So for it sure. will be in this recovery period soon, you know, just things to, again, continue to like, just be aware of and look at how your body's feeling differently and use that to know, okay, dial it back. Or if you're feeling great, then very incrementally, you know, increase from that point. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier with nutrition stayed pretty much the same through those six weeks, giving yourself that time to just heal and recover, focus on eating enough and eating, especially enough protein. What changed for you after six weeks? Yes. So uh, again, some big factors to look at is I'm breastfeeding exclusively for MK. So establishing a breastfeeding routine, feeling very comfortable in that and looking at how she's growing and progressing there were not any issues on supply or anything like that. So establishing that first and foremost, if you know, that is a priority for you, which it was for me. So that, and then also how I'm physically feeling. If I was still feeling super shitty by the time I hit six weeks, that it, again, is not the time to be like looking at reducing your calories. And really- yeah, we want to make sure that like, I mean, 
I was antsy to go to the doctor and get approval by the time I hit six weeks because I was already feeling so, so, so good by that point, which is again, crazy because I remember coming home from the hospital again, thinking I will, I can never recover from this. My body, like, how can I move or like sit ever again? Like, it's just not, this is just (laughs) like, I'll never recover. And like, it just kept getting, I felt like I was getting a hundred percent better every day after day, after day, after day. And so by the time I hit six weeks, I was feeling amazing and I'm still feeling amazing. And I understand, I don't know. I feel like I was so miserable in pregnancy that I'm really thankful that I'm feeling great now. And sometimes it's reversed, right? Sometimes you feel like you have a fantastic pregnancy and then postpartum recovery is a beast. And so this just my personal experience with this pregnancy. So I felt ready by that point to dial in my nutrition a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. so I, I have started tracking macros at the six week point, which my diet, as far as what my diet comprises looks exactly the same. (laughs) All the same. We're just tweaking the quantities very minorly to make sure I'm hitting, first of all, that I'm getting enough protein. I'm eating everything that I need to be eating. And then I'm putting myself in a very mild caloric deficit that will induce fat loss and body composition change, right? Because I want to keep my muscle, but I want to decrease the fat on my body. And that can take some tweaking as well, because you want to make sure that again, your body still has plenty of energy to produce milk as well. And especially then if you start exercising again, you're like increasing your output. So making sure that again, you're walking that line of giving your body enough fuel to easily handle your own personal BMR plus milk production, plus the addition of exercise, but still inducing the rate of fat loss that you want to see. So that's where I'm at currently. And it's going, it's going really well. So uh, this is the part that I was like weirdly most excited for to recovery and be able to experience it myself because again, it's just one of those things that you can't have that perspective really until you go through it. So I'm really excited to just take everything I'm learning and use it to influence how I coach and the material that I put out. And I'm hoping to release a postpartum program at some point this fall. So that would be amazing. It would be such a valuable resource, such a valuable resource. And I'd want it to go hand in hand with what you guys talk about in Evlo and what I experienced going through this program, which was like a wonderful progression starting from zero and very slowly, incrementally increasing until you get to the point where, okay, you can return to, you know, the normal programming, but I still don't look like my normal, like, sure. in, you know, working on increasing weights and, you know, sometimes I'll cut it a set early because <laughs> I'm <done>. so <laughs> absolutely no, it's yeah, it's continuing to fit it in to your lifestyle. And I think that's one of the best parts about the program too, is like, it kind of gives you that space to figure out what is going to work best, both from a time perspective and a, and an energy level perspective and all of that. It's like, 
oh, okay, I can make this, I can make this my own, even when getting back to the regular programming, like you're saying. Yes. And like, that is the whole point. And that's why I just, I love it so much because it gives me the freedom and confidence to tailor it to exactly what I need and know that I know how to do that. And that's exactly what I try to teach all of my clients with their nutrition. Yep. Autonomy and exercise autonomy. Like you should be confident enough and have the knowledge that you need to make those choices for yourself. And agree more. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. I appreciate you so much. You guys will see Peyton all over the Evlo Fitness page on Instagram. And her Instagram handle is at Peyton period busker. I don't say that too often, clearly, um, on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, mainly mainly on the Evlo page at E-V-L-O fitness. Yes, um, and Peyton is makes an appearance on my page whenever, <laughs> whenever I can put her up there because I'm so proud of you and you're just the best. So right back at you. It's just been so fun to get to continue to grow together and not only a personal capacity, but in a professional capacity. And just has been so fun to see how well both Evlo and then everything that you do at Hope Well fit so well together. And we've just been so grateful for your contributions and your recipes. We get feedback all the time that people are obsessed with them. So it's just been awesome. That is the best. And everyone who listens to this or follows me on social media knows that I'm obsessed with Evlo. So go check them out. And yes, I did contribute 30. Was it 30 recipes? 25? It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of recipes. A set of recipes for Evlo and they're exclusive to Evlo. So yeah remember you get access to those plus like all of Peyton and Shannon's amazing programming like a freaking extensive library of classes at this point it's amazing so all right Peyton thank you for coming on the show and thank you guys for listening please leave a rating or review if you can and we will catch up next episode thanks but wait <laughs> Before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.